Welcome to Stories from A to Z with Mona P. I'm your host, Mona Pasanoff. If you are a new listener, you can learn more about me and my process of starting this podcast by listening to episode one. Hopefully, you'll notice I've come a long way since I launched that first one in July. It is easy to subscribe to Stories from A to Z with Mona P on SoundCloud or any podcast platform. By subscribing for free, you will always have quick access to further episodes. It is free to subscribe. Today, I'm continuing with the Upper Peninsula theme. You're going to meet Linda Swan. She is an artist who loves to sail. She is also a feminist and avid reader who now resides full-time in the UP at the Hiawatha Sportsman's Club. On the A to Z with Mona P. Facebook page, there are photos of Linda's artwork along with a few of the women's names she speaks about in case you would like to research them. Note, she also mentions a shirt of the women who fought for equality. Yes, you can see it and purchase it directly from Linda by calling or texting her. Hi, Linda. Welcome to the show. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for asking me. Let's start with what brought you to the Hiawatha Club and to living here full-time. Okay, well, many years ago, my husband had a friend that was up here hunting, and he would come up to visit him. It was Terry Bennett, actually. And one weekend, I was in Traverse City visiting a friend, and I was supposed to come up here for the first time, and meet his friend and I didn't think I'd ever really want a place up here in particular but I looked at you know how when you travel you always look and see what the houses are selling for I looked around Traverse City and I thought well I won't be living on water anytime soon so then we came up here and I got a tour of at that time a wonderful beach that went out 20 yards and and it was about a mile long, and then I saw this cabin, a little log cabin with a stone fireplace and a screened-in porch overlooking the river, and it was all knotty pine, and it was selling for $30,000 on two lots with a garage and all the pots and pans and furniture with it. Wow. So I was so excited, I could hardly contain myself. I was going to be able to live on the water. We bought it. That was in 1990. I think that was the happiest day of my husband's life. We went to a Hiawatha dance that night. I remember it was New Year's Eve. I don't think he was just smitten. I mean, he was so happy. (laughs) So we vacationed and he hunted and we came up cross country skied. We used the cabin a lot, even though we were both working and living down near Ann Arbor, Brighton, Howell area. So since 1990, our kids were adolescents and we've been coming up here every year. And I still didn't think I'd ever be able to live here until they got Amazon and the internet. 
which made it doable. <laughs> Where was that cabin? On um, East River Road. And when did you move to your larger all-year house? Well, I think it's been five years now. We we decided to, uh, the kids were gone, and they had moved out of state, and we thought, you know, it's getting closer to retirement. So I took a couple of sabbaticals and came up for the summer, which drove my husband crazy. <laughs> he couldn't stand it. So he retired, and we came up, and we were going to live in the cabin. I was perfectly happy there, actually, but... Gotta have laundry facilities and a bathtub. So we started looking around and found this house, which I'd always admired from traveling up the river and found it was for sale and that's how it happened. There you go, the rest is history as they mm -hmm. say. We are going to focus on your art for today, but you also sail. Can you share a little bit about how you decided to bring sailing into your life? And had you sailed before you moved to the UP? I used to windsurf, and it, windsurfing I learned while vacationing with the kids on Mullet Lake before we got the cabin. And so when I came up here, I, I, I had uh, hip problems, had hip replacement, and I, I couldn't windsurf. You lose your balance when you have your hips replaced. So, And then uh, I was 68, I think, and I had a, a significant heart issue with a left branch bundle blockage and my heart got bigger and bigger and uh, bottom line is I almost died so uh, I had a, a pacemaker put in and it it worked my heart reformed actually they didn't know if it was going to or not so for six weeks there it was pretty you know I didn't know it's it's uh, it's an interesting thing to to come that close and and uh, not Scary. know whether you're not good. Yeah, so I definitely did my bucket list and I sat down in the living room in a big chair and I started, went on uh, uh, eBay and thought, okay, what do I need? I can't windsurf anymore. I'm going to get a sailboat. So I said, okay, I need a place to take a nap. <laughs> I need a place to go to the bathroom and I need a swing keel so I can get in and out of the river. So that's all I knew about boats. And I found one in Ohio, and I, I clicked on it to bid on it, went to bed. The next morning, I was the proud owner of a sailboat. I was so excited. And Ron and I went down to Ohio and picked it up and, you know, brought it up here. And it's been a steep learning curve, but I think I've, I can't say I've got it down because with sailing, something always happens. But... I'm better. <laughs> and I have to say, we see you out on Lake Michigan. And for those who don't know, Lake Michigan can be smooth as glass or choppy like being in mm -hmm. the washing machine. Yeah. And you go out either way, or you may go out when it's smooth and then it becomes really rough. Right. And you manage. You do really well. And you're out almost every day. Well, I'm in the as much as I can in yeah. the summer yeah. because I do. I just love it. Yeah. What is it that you love about it? It's kind of a meditative. If you're if you're alone, it's uh, it's quiet and it's, it's beautiful, and you never see as much sky or notice the sky as much as you do when you're on a sailboat, or the water, or the change in the weather, and you you get that feeling of being a part of everything. And it's a very 
kind of a meditative zen-like experience if you and you come back just feeling great especially if you're still alive <laughs> thankfully if I, if I sail into the river which I haven't been able to do this year because it's so ziggy zaggy and the wind has been so you know unpredictably gusty but um I have sailed into the river and I feel so competent. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You describe being on the water beautifully. Thank you for that. Yeah, you just get away from everything. Such open space. Yes, yes. Now we're going to switch just a little bit because art is really how I know you from the art club here at HSC. Why did you join? When did you join? And... What do you like about being a member of the art club, if anything? Well, I can't remember the year that I joined. I know that Tay gave me the job of the secretary, and I think I've been doing that forever. Seems like at least six years, uh, maybe more. I like being, um, for a while there, we would get together and, and actually work on some art projects with a group of people. And I love that because you learn so much from other people. And I do that now with Jen and Andrea. That's mainly the reason. So the camaraderie. Sure. How did you first come to art? People should know we are meeting in your home and we are in a room that is just infused with your art. <laughs> Have you always been an artist? What is it about the medium you choose now to work in that you so enjoy? Okay, well, uh, I, I've always been fascinated with it. I, I did take a lot of art in uh, college and I, that was in California and I knew I couldn't make a living at it. So, I got an art education, you know, English degree, and came home and I taught art in middle school. And then I had to, I had to, I got interested in other things. And so I went back, I got a master's in social work and worked at that for 23 years. And then when I retired, I always did it as a hobby. I always went to these workshops and, um, started out I had in my own pottery studio for a while but then my back went out and I burned my eyebrows off at the in the stoneware kiln that I had in my backyard and I thought I can't do this I've got babies you know at this time my kids were little so then I started doing watercolor and went to a lot of workshops and over the years and then I retired and I always had uh, places to work that were about as big as the bathroom and now I have this huge space over the garage and I, I just can hardly I hardly, <laughs> hardly contain myself I'm so happy with having all that space it just kind of developed and then when you're retired you have the time to devote to it to what you like to do so it's wonderful I'm noticing how creative everybody is given some time the COVID has made, I mean, all my neighbors are creating. I'm not the only one, that's for sure. Yes, COVID has given many of us more time to do the kinds of things we yeah. would really like to do. Right. But for you, since you've been doing it so long, and here at HSC, 
and I'll post some pictures on Facebook of your murals that you've done. And that's really what I would like to focus today because you've done these beautiful, large scale, I don't know how many feet you know and you'll tell us, um, of women through history. What got you to start with mm -hmm. studying the history and wanting to draw mm -hmm. these incredible women? Okay, well, sure. I, I've been a feminist for decades like I think there's a picture up there. I marched for ERA in Chicago back in the day when I was a kid. Still proud of that. And um, then I worked for a domestic violence shelter for a long time, and I became aware of the inequities of the laws for women and worked for that for a, a long time, uh, raising awareness. And then, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty much everywhere now. Every county's got a shelter. But back in the day, 40 years ago, they didn't. So I've always been interested in it, and uh, I read a book by Rachel Swaby called 52 Headstrong Women, and but really it's reading that motivates me. Uh, and this book shared so many stories of these phenomenal women that in spite of the, you know, back in the 18, late 1800s and turn of the century, they they didn't take no for an answer. You know, the colleges turned them down. People told them women don't do that, etc. They got burned out. They got beaten. They got, you know, just, they overcame every obstacle, even if they had to go out of the country to go to college to be a doctor or whatever they wanted to be. They just didn't take no for an answer. And I thought, you know, when I was 11 years old, my neighborhood was full of women at home with no cars and lots of kids, and they weren't very happy. <laughs> mm -hmm. And as an 11-year-old, just starting out in life, I looked around. I, I was kind of depressed. I didn't see any options for women. So when I read this book, I thought, oh, maybe it's too late. Maybe, maybe young girls now already know. But I was hoping that someone might get inspiration from from seeing all of the wonderful life-changing world-changing things that these women did in spite of the fact that everyone told them they couldn't so that was part of it what's interesting about what you just said and when i think of your murals you have chosen women from all walks of life, all ethnicities, you know, some as a white woman, and right now in the midst of what's going on in our country, people could say, oh, well, a white woman would paint white people. But you chose to be inclusive. You have diversity. You are showing women from all over, which I so appreciate. I just want to talk a little bit about I don't think young people know, and that's another reason I wanted to do these, art, uh, these articles. I, I don't think young young people take take for granted the choices that they have today, and I just wanted them to know that there are women that worked for decades, decades, seventy years, just to get the right to vote. Why should we have to work so hard to get such a you know a right? But back in the turn of the century, women could not own property. They could not keep their wages, even if they were lucky enough to get a job. 
they couldn't keep them. Your husband was allowed to beat you with a stick no bigger than your thumb. That was in the law books. People had to fight long and hard, and they endured being called every name in the book, people trying to make them out to be horrible human beings because they wanted the right to vote. They were trying to destroy the country and blah, blah. I think it's important to know that. I always felt bad that I, I came to know that very late in life. Yeah, I think I was 26 before I decided I would vote. I'm very embarrassed about that now. <laughs> now that I know how hard these people worked so I would have that right. But I think college kids, you know, you're, you don't think about that stuff. Or did you not vote because you didn't think the choices were good enough at the time? Oh, I was just so. too busy to okay. make I was just ignorant about, <laughs> about that whole process. The part about inequality, mm -hmm. can I go on yes, a little bit? Yes, yes, yeah. please. In the process of learning about the suffragists and doing that, those drawings, I became aware that because of the politics of the day, they did exclude African-American women. And then in, in the process of reading about the suffragists, I began reading about uh, African-American women, which that's another thing that's happened in the last decade or so is there are books out now that are written by women. There are books about women artists. There are books about uh, African-American women that are, and, and books written by uh, other minorities as well, Native Americans and so on. So you can learn about it. When I was in high school, those books weren't even there. You couldn't find any. It's, it's a time now with the internet where it's pretty easy to broaden your understanding of different groups and the inequalities that exist that you, know, you may have ignored before. I agree, and I thank you for bringing that up and to the forefront. You mentioned another area of history that you worked on. Can you speak to that? It's right in my closet here. <laughs> well, when I first started this, I just thought, well, I'm going to look up women warriors. Surely there aren't any. <laughs> and I found, I found these amazing women. There's a woman a samurai uh, named Tomei Gozen. Uh, and, and I found other women that... Um, were incredible warriors, and I had never heard of them. And some of them, if we go by Hollywood standards or Netflix, had to hide that they were women, and they would cut their hair short or keep right, it up right. under a hat and pretend to be a, a male right. so that they could fight alongside yeah. the men. Some of them did. Bodica, she didn't. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right. And Grace O'Malley, she was a pirate. She didn't, uh, she was... Irish. She was one of the wealthiest women of the time. She learned about uh, exports and imports from her father and she stowed away on the boat when she was nine years old and he said your hair is going to get caught in the line so she went downstairs and cut her hair off. And uh, she became a pirate because she had to because they were raiding and trying to steal her wealth and so. But she was quite the pirate and very well respected. One of the things that happens or used to have, perhaps not as much anymore, is that history turned Grace into, you know, not an admirable person, let's just say. <laughs> and history, if you weren't doing what society thought women should be doing, 
they had a way of disparaging you and, mm-hmm. and making making you look like. But uh, Grace O'Malley, she I, she uh, she met with the Queen and she wouldn't bow. She's the only person that didn't bow to the Queen, and the Queen ended up having, you know, they had a nice fireside chat about women in power and kid, raising kids. Then there's uh, Wang Song. I'm gonna. I'm gonna Nobody, I've never heard these names said out loud, so I'm, I'm mispronouncing them. But there is a Chinese woman who was a pirate who was in charge of 800 ships. Wow. She worked in a brothel, fell in love with this man, learned the business from the man. The man died. The woman ruled with an iron fist, but a very fair fist. She, they sent, the Chinese sent the English, the French, they wanted to get rid of this pirate who was stealing all their wares. Finally, they had, she was 60, in her 60s, and they said, please, retire. We'll give you a, a nightclub. We'll let you keep all the treasures that you've looted. Just, just please stop. And so she did. She became, and she lived to be 68. But she was phenomenal. Never heard about her. I mean... These, these are stories. Are, when you were a young girl, would you just love to hear these would stories? Would have loved it. Would have yeah. loved it. Yes, instead of, and they lived happily ever after because the knight in shining armor came and saved the princess. Yes. yes. Right. Yeah. We don't live in fairy tale land. Can we backtrack for a second? What is the size of some of the murals you've done? Rough ass. The Warriors was 24 feet, and that was a little bit unwieldy for anybody to put up. So I had to cut it in half. <laughs> There's two 12 feet pieces. I just drew them on brown paper. And the other one was is uh, 18 feet. And how wide? The, the Women of Courage. Or I think it's tall. about 42 inches uh, okay. wide. And and that's about 18 feet. And and you can that's done on paper, so you can just stick it anywhere. I would like to display that um, somewhere. I've talk to the local school they might be interested in but yeah I don't want it to end up in my closet that's no. not why I did it yeah. how do you decide which women to choose for which one and where they're placed in those pieces well that's going to be I'm sure people will find fault with the people that I chose all I can say is do your own <laughs> and pick out the people you like <laughs> I just did the people that I thought were influential after I read about them. Some of them are controversial because they're still living. If you if you look into their history enough, you'll see why uh, they were picked. Mostly because they they worked for decades. You know, there's a woman called Emmeline Rose. Who ever heard of her? She was a lawyer in New York that made it possible for women to own property. Before that, they couldn't. And they couldn't even vote. They got that right before they got the right to vote. And there's a woman on the t-shirt that is the author of Title IX. Who knew? She was a, a, whole, a Hawaiian representative. There's a woman on the t-shirt that was the first congressman. Shirley Chisholm is on. You have yes. got to read about Shirley mm-hmm. Chisholm. I mean, mm-hmm. all these people have a, a, such a colorful, courageous history. Courageous is the word, and yeah. I would like to say you're courageous for having put together those women in your art because you are helping to educate all of us. And when you've displayed your art at the annual Art and Hobby Show here at the club, you included descriptions. I have a big poster 
for the one that's 18 feet long so that you can write a little condensed uh, version of why they're on there. Yeah. It was hard to condense, believe me. But, but it's interesting yeah. because it's almost like a museum piece and mm. your work is done so well and the faces are so intricate you know, to a wrinkle or a hair. <laughs> I wish that people could really see them up close and personal because they tell such a historic story. And yeah. you're right, young people now just take it for granted that this is the way it's always been. Right. And they don't understand what it's been like. And we're not and done. No, know, like, we're not done by a long shot. Melinda Gates wrote a book, like Equality Begins at Home. And uh, so, yeah, we've got yes. work to do. Yes. What art creation are you most proud of? You know, uh, there are pieces that have been around a long time, and I continue to like them when I look at them. And there are pieces that I don't like anymore. <laughs> so I guess if they're still around and I still like them. If you don't like it, what is it that you no longer like about it? I just think I could do better. Do you see how you've improved over the years? Some areas, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's always the question of, I guess it's like people that say you're only as good as your last work. Because if you're, you know, when you're doing it, you don't realize that it's, uh, you don't realize that it's going to be something special when you're doing it. You're just doing it. I don't know. I have a lot of them that I still like to look at and I'm, so proud of then if you still like to look at it yeah and it gets to stay right i i you know i think i'm evolving towards a historical artist because i do like these things that people can learn from and and that might stimulate them to go oh i've never heard of her maybe i'll google her <laughs> i like doing that people seem to respond to it so that kind of encourages me to do to do more I haven't come up with my winter project yet this for this year but that was going to be one of my next it. questions are you going to stay with woman theme or do you think you'll go on to something else I don't know I I visited a Native American uh, museum see that poster there mm -hmm. um, in um, St. Ignace and I was amazed at all the tribes that I had never heard of. So that piques my interest. I might pursue that. And then the year that we've been living in seems to me to be a historical moment. <laughs> and so I'm, you know, that's something I'm mulling over. How, how could I do a, a big drawing that represents what we've all been through this year? That seems like a huge endeavor. Yeah, it's interesting. Because there's so many different directions to go yeah. in. Creativity so, yes. and also the family life has changed. Mm -hmm. So most of it, I think, has been positive. I think parents with school-aged children are finding it most difficult mm. because the kids are isolated, and that's hard. Yeah, I think they're the ones that are struggling the most because... One day your kids are going to school, the next day they're not. One day you've got a job, the next day you're staying home. So yeah, they're, yeah. they're uh, that's got to be difficult. So I would be interested in seeing if you do focus on that for your next what project. Would be what like. would yeah, that's yeah, that's a little overwhelming. It I is, don't know. It is. Anything else you would like people to know about you? I I've, I've thought a lot about it and. 
basically, I grew up in big cities my whole life. Detroit, outside of Los Angeles. Um, and you're always pretty anonymous when you're in a invisible. You know, I went to a huge high school. I've always thought of myself as sort of invisible, you know. And I guess the bottom line, what I'm trying to say is I love it up here. I love this community. I love the closeness to nature, the fact that I'm living with people who are always posting pictures of beautiful things that they've spotted in the woods or the sunsets. I love the people that are how creative and how active they are. I've never met so many women my age that will be willing to go snowshoeing or, or, or go kayaking or go sailing. I just am really enjoying, I don't think I've had so much notoriety. Ever since I got the sailboat, all of a sudden people tell me, I was watching you out there. You, you be careful. For years we would see the it's sailboat nice. at the beach parked. And we were like, who owns that sailboat? When yeah. does it go out? And then we, when I found out, it's Linda Swan. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Yeah, I know. People are surprised. Yeah. But, but it's uh, great. Yeah, so, so, yeah, I do. I, that, that would be my answer to that is... I'm really loving it up here. I went for a hike with Jerry Grossman, and I'm getting more and more interested in trees and plants and things like that. I feel exactly the same way. I yeah. am so thankful that we bought a house and we get to spend our summers here. Just, It's such a great yeah. community. Yeah. It really is. I mean, Ron uh, recently had a knee replacement. I have never had so much help I mean, the meals came to the door. Mm -hmm. He had a little issue. If you've been on pain pills, you know what that issue is. Mm -hmm. The neighbors came. I put out a call, and it was like the cavalry came, <laughs> was at my door offering, mm -hmm. you know, remedies. So, yeah, I've just never experienced anything like that. It's special. We live in a special place. Mm -hmm. So, Linda, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to mm -hmm. meet with me to speak about some of your passion and um, hopefully people will enjoy and maybe we'll get some links to some books or people will just google the names that have been spoken about yeah so thank okay. you okay well you're welcome it was my pleasure it was fun <laughs> thank you for listening today i hope you enjoyed it feel free to leave questions or comments about the podcast on the site you use to listen, or on my Facebook page. As always, I would appreciate your sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Till next time, this is Stories from A to Z with Mona P.